I invite you at this time to turn in your pew Bibles with me to page 1,895. 1,895, where we find our scripture reading for tonight. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 through 22. You know, the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. These men are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty, boastful words. And by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command I was passed on to them. Of them the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow, a sow that is washed, goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Peter has taken a big chunk of his second letter to address the importance of pointing out false teachers. He understood that this was going to be a reality that these Christians would face. And for a while now, I have um, been preaching on this topic uh, by using the illustrations of... uh, the big names that we would know, Creflo Dollar, which, by the way, has to be the worst name of a false prosperity teacher ever. I mean, are you even trying to hide anything there? I don't think it's his real name, too. I think he changed his name to that. Uh, Creflo Dollar, Joel Osteen, right? Uh, Because these are people that we can point to out there. Kenneth Copeland. And we can say, see, we know, we can recognize, we know what false teachers are, right? Um, It's easy to spot them. Um, They have big smiling faces with perfectly permed hair, and all their books have their picture on them. But maybe it's a um, a little bit harder to know. And maybe it's even a little bit harder to say when these false teachers... Um, are called reverend and are ordained ministers in the Christian Reformed Church in North America. Right now, you can go to a website. I don't encourage it. Um, It's called All One Body. And All One Body is an organization of 
um, ministers, professors, po past members, uh, current members of the Christian Reformed Church in North America who desire that this denomination would become an open and affirming denomination for all who are LGBTQ+. Um, and you can go to a particular tab on their website, All One Body, that is um, responding to the Human Sexuality Report. Um, the Human Sexuality Report was something that was put out by, uh, was commissioned by uh, Senate 2016 and was written and it has been completed for a number of years. Uh, COVID has canceled our synods um, and, and this upcoming synod this year, we're actually going to be addressing this biblical human sexuality report. And the, the human sexuality report is actually very good. Very good. Um, and it's making the argument that the position that um, the only good sex that God created is sex that's between a man and a woman in the context of a covenant called marriage. Um, that's the argument that's, that it's being made, that's being made. And not only is it making that argument, but it's saying this is already of confessional status in our denomination because in the Heidelberg Catechism's exposition on the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, all other kinds of sexual sins are included in the quotation, particularly 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, I'm in agreement with the Biblical Human Sexuality Report. We should all be in agreement with the Biblical Human Sexuality Report because it's following the Bible, right? But right now, if you go to this tab, All One Body, um, respond to the Human Sexuality Report, you will find Reverend Rich Raxma posting videos about the errors of the Biblical Human Sexuality Report and making the argument that the Bible is not a set of rules. Rather, it's meant to lead us to a relationship with God. Implication meaning that the Bible doesn't really have anything to say about what is good sex, good sexuality. First of all, every good relationship has rules and boundaries. This is not a jokey matter, but what I want to know is, is Reverend Rich Braxma married? And does his wife know that he doesn't think relationships have rules? Right now you can go to this website and you can hear um, statements from Reverend Leonard Vanderzee making a biblical case for same-sex marriage. You need to understand what I'm saying here. This is a position that is right now contrary to our position in the Christian Reformed Church in North America, and you have ordained ministers in the denomination making the case for a, a position that's contrary to what our church holds. And maybe we should say, mm, Carrie, false teacher, that's kind of a, a uh, strong word to attach to these people. But what you need to understand is that 
This issue of biblical sexuality is a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue. Because we're talking about sin and identity. And so, if part of the gospel is this is the sinful lifestyle or this is the identity that you chose that was rooted in the world, this is the sin that you chose to live in, but you now must turn from that sin and believe in Jesus Christ. You now must look at Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, you are forgiving me of these sins. But if we're telling people that what they're doing is not a sin, then why do they need forgiveness for it? They don't. This is a doctrine of demons. Teaching people who are in same-sex relationships that having a marriage is appropriate. That same-sex intercourse is okay. Because it condemns them to hell. This is false teaching. And it needs to be called that. If in our denomination we are going to fight for the purity of God's church. We need to stop acting like we're just having a conversation about it. Because it's not a conversation. It's about life and death. Jesus pointed at people in his day who were leading others astray. And he said, if you cause a little one to stumble, it is better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be cast into the ocean. How are we going to hold accountable ordained ministers in the Christian Reformed Church who are teaching our children that same sex is okay? This is what Peter was talking about. Of course, he's talking about the Joel Osteens and the Creflo Dollars, but what he's really saying is, in your congregation that I'm writing to, 2 Peter, in your congregation that I'm writing to, you're going to have false teachers. And these might have been people that you called brothers and sisters at one time. But they've been led astray. And they're seeking to lead others astray, so what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? At some point, you can't keep playing nice if it's about someone's eternal salvation. Our theme tonight False teachers promise everything. But have nothing. Christ 
promises everything. And has all to give. We have uh, two points tonight. The first is empty promises. This covers verses 17 through 19. The second is empty faith. This covers verses 20 through 22. Empty promises, empty faith. Let's look at this first section. Empty promises, okay? Uh, Verse 17 begins this section that Peter has on false teaching by saying a couple of um, analogies or examples. He says, these men, these false teachers, are springs without water. And they are mists driven by a storm. Springs without water, mist driven by a storm. Um, These two analogies are meant to communicate something. They're meant to communicate the empty promise that these false teachers have. Um, When you are uh, extremely thirsty and you are out in the middle of the desert, and you spot a spring off into the distance, right? And it's not a mirage. You finally come upon it, and there it is, but then it's without water. You get that sense, right, that this is anticipation that your thirst is going to be quenched, that there's going to be something there to provide you what you need, Uh, but when you get there, there's nothing there, right? This is how sin works, by the way. Sin promises these great things, and then once you get it, empty, right? Um, mist driven by a storm. So you see a storm off into the distance and you think it's going to be this uh, great thing that's going to bring water and it's going to bring um, uh, plenish, re- replenishing the nutrients of your plants and your fields and all this stuff. And then what you get? You get a mist. It's nothing. Empty, right? Blackest darkness is reserved for them, Peter says. This is the same thing that he said earlier. They are, um, their judgment has been ordained before time, they are going to receive a harsher punishment. The reason why I sit here and I say to you, there are ordained ministers in the CRC and say we need to hold them accountable is because I have a higher standard for ministers in a denomination than I do for elders in a denomination than I do for deacons in a denomination than I do for general members. See, if I had a conversation with a general member of our church and they were confused about the issue of biblical sexuality because they were sort of being influenced by some of the things that were being said today, and I sat down with them and I said, here, see, this is what the Bible is saying. We believe the Bible is true and we need to believe what this Bible, the scripture is communicating to us about this because it honors God to hold to this conviction and believe this. Um, and also it's for our good and for our blessing. And they're like, okay, yeah, I'm convinced. Um, pastors should know better. And their position is one in which they will receive a harsher judgment for what they are doing. James says, not many of you should desire to be teachers, for you shall receive a harsher punishment. They are using their position to influence 
so many people in this destructive doctrine. And if they do not repent, blackest darkness is reserved for them. They will face judgment for what they're doing. For they mouth empty, boastful words. These false teachers, they mouth empty, boastful words. And by appealing to the lustful desires of the sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Enticed to sin. Okay? So, these false teachers, they, they um, draw people in with these empty, boastful words. Um, they draw people in with this empty, boastful word, and these empty, boastful words, they're about freedom. Right? They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. They promise freedom, but they can't give freedom because they're slaves, right? So these empty, boastful words are, come over here and, 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 and believe what I believe, because when you believe what I believe, you have this greater sense of freedom, and you're unburdened by all these legalistic ideas and terms. You can just live the way you want to live. Um, a classic um, heresy like this would be, Teaching people that because Christ came and he died for our sins, that we don't have to worry about sins anymore. We can just sin all the more, that grace may abound. Right? Christ forgave them. Why don't we just, you know, enjoy our life right now? Because Christ forgave us of our sins. Um, false teachers, they do this as well. They encourage people, they entice people to sin. They, uh, they, they draw people in from, uh, by using their flesh, their sinful human nature. They understand that people are naturally drawn towards sin. And so Paul gives a list of all these characteristics of, of the sinful nature, right? Um, uh, in Galatians, he does this. In Ephesians, he does this. Um, gives these lists of, of this, uh, the characteristics, the deeds of the sinful nature. And this is what false teachers seek to do. Draw people away to sin. If you wanted me to tell you what I believe um, uh, the, the, uh, the all one body teachers are seeking to do in relation to empty boastful words concerning freedom um, is that there is this tension that's been created in our denomination between uh, what they have uh, created, which is a um, a sexual identity, people who struggle with same-sex attraction. Uh, and they said, this is the reality. There are people in our churches that struggle with same-sex attraction, and I'm in full agreement with that. There are people in our churches that struggle with same-sex attraction. Um, but what our documentation says is that these people um, are uh, unable to change this struggle with same-sex attraction. This is just something that they have to suffer and live with for um, the rest of their lives. Um, and I understand that some people are giving particular sins that they wrestle with and they struggle with all their life, right? Um, but, but it's my opinion that we are not to identify with our sins because we're Christians, we're in Christ. 
And so, because same-sex attraction is a um, disordered um, reality, then part of the Christian life should be seeking to rightly order that reality. And so, we shouldn't just be encouraging people who struggle with same-sex attraction to be celibate and to be um, uh, non-sexually active, um, but we should be encouraging them to ask the Lord to convert them from that same-sex attraction, that they might desire the person of the opposite sex, that they might go on, if, God is, uh, uh, if it's God's will, to, to marry and to have children which is the normative pattern for Christian people, typically. And so, here we've created this category of Christians who are now called to be celibate for their whole life and not be able to do anything else but that. Um, but, you know, they, they, um, they're, part of, they're part of the church. And so this freedom that is being communicated by the all-one-body group is what if we can communicate that um, uh, uh, monogamous, same-sex marriages are just as good as opposite-sex marriages? Then this category of people that we've created, that we've placed in this horrible position of having to be celibate for the rest of their life and not be able to do anything about it, can also experience the joy of marriage and the bond of marriage. But it's an empty promise. It's an empty promise of freedom. And not only is it an empty promise of freedom because they believe somehow allowing monogamous same-sex marriages uh, would resolve that tension or issue. Um, But because the remaining tension is there. And that is that our country and our culture and our uh, Western society has made so much importance about sex that it is our identity. It is who we are. I can't just be a Christian. I have to be a gay Christian. No, don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not mocking anybody. I'm saying that this has created a problem because the Bible communicates to us that our most important and our only identity, the identity that, that in many ways destroys all other identities or comes above all other identities, is that we are in Christ. So you cannot serve two masters. You can't have this identity that's related to your sex and this identity of being a Christian. And so this teaching is saying we can have freedom because we can have both and. We can have this balance, but it's an empty promise. It's an empty promise. Because it's a promise that is saying... If you continue in sin, you'll be happier. You'll prosper. You'll feel better. And it's really all of the rest of us who are grumpy gusses and need to get over what this person has chosen. When in reality, we're the ones 
who are loving these people because we're saying your identity in Christ is what you really need. Restoration from the struggle with sin is what you really need. Deliverance from the struggle with sin is what you really need. Empty promises. False teachers promise everything. Come to my side. Believe what I believe. If you want to throw this in with the Joel Osteen thing, is that if you believe what I believe, then you will be rich, you will, be, you will prosper, you will receive all the things that you pray for and want and desire. You will get it all. But really, they have nothing to offer. They're vapid. They're empty. They're vanity. Vanity. All is breath. All is wind. They are unable to give anything because all that they're doing is cloaking the promises of this world and the promises of Satan and the promises of sin with religious language. So Peter is warning his audience and he's saying, don't believe in them because you're going to go to cash that check and it's going to bounce. It's going to bounce. And not only is Peter saying, I need to warn you against these people, but he's saying these people target. They target those who just escaped from living in error. And so they come after brand new baby Christians. Brand new baby Christians who don't have their footing yet, who don't know everything that they need to know, who don't have um, a, a, a good grasp of biblical knowledge, who don't have a biblical worldview fully formed yet. They come after these baby Christians, and because they're in positions of authority, because they've been Christians longer, these baby Christians trust them, they believe in them, they follow after them to their demise. You can't offer freedom if you're a slave. You can't give freedom if you're a slave. These false teachers have empty promises. What about empty faith? Verse 20 says, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. This is what Peter is saying. Um, These were Christians um, who grew up in the church or who came to faith, right? And then later on, they uh, became false teachers. Later on, they became false teachers. And what Peter is saying is, if it's true that they, um, they first knew our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but then afterwards, again, were entangled into the world and, and overcome by this, uh, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. 
um, they uh, have ended poorly. In fact, um, Peter continues this argument, and he says, it would have been better if they had never known. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. One of the most frightening things um, that I have listened to in a long time was um, there's a SoundCloud, uh, SoundCloud clip. Um, SoundCloud's a website. Um, it's a clip of a recording um, that was given uh, at Linwood. It's URC now, but Back then it was Christian Reformed Church, Linwood Christian Reformed Church. Leonard Vanderzee was um, the minister there some time ago. And um, he took a call to another church. I don't know what church it was. Um, but the uh, elders at this church basically gave him a call or gave him a, um, essentially a, a sending off message. And this was it. This was... Um, back in the 70s or 80s. And this, uh, this message was essentially um, stay true to God's word, do not be carried off by uh, the ways and the winds of the doctrines of this world, stand firm on what God has to say, all these things, right? Um, Leonard Vandersee is the, is the pastor at uh, Church of the Servant in Grand Rapids. Um, he's uh, uh, displayed prominently on the All One Body uh, website arguing for uh, uh, the uh, position of including uh, monogamous same-sex relationships as something that's okay. Um, to hear those words recorded so long ago, 1970, um, something like that, and then to see where he is now, it's a frightening reality for me as a pastor because I say to myself, Lord, keep me from that. Keep me from straying like that. Keep me from falling to the ways of this world and the spirit of this age. Where I would be okay with remaining in a denomination that is contrary to what I believe. Because I'm okay with continuing to stay and, and, and poison the well a little bit more. Um, where I would, back in the day, been a solid, biblical, confessional pastor. But then... Y'all would say about me 30 years from now, boy, that get part, he's really lost it. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to start my um, career off in the ministry well, but end it blaspheming the name of the Lord that I proclaim to love. Or being a reason 
that his name is blasphemed amongst the people. When I read Second Peter, these verses, that's who I think about. That's somebody I share ordination with in this denomination. And that's the person that Peter is speaking about when he says, if they, these false teachers, have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. It would have been better if they had never become a Christian than to become a Christian and then become a false teacher. What Peter is saying is they were once of us, but they are no longer of us. Not only do they have empty promises, but they don't even have a real, true faith. It's an empty faith. They're not Christians anymore. They're people who are disguising themselves, cloaking themselves as Christians because the name Christian allows them to propagate their false teaching. Peter ends this by uh, commenting on two Proverbs. Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. And a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. So um, if you've ever seen a dog vomit, um, it's kind of gross. Because they will come back to it. And a lot of times they'll eat it. They'll throw up and then they'll be like, Ooh, seconds. And of course, a sow, you can wash the pig off, but then they'll just go back to wallowing in the mud. What is true about these two Proverbs is the nature. A dog is a dog. A pig is a pig. It doesn't matter what you do to it. You can put makeup on a pig, but it's still a pig. You can dress a dog up, but it's still a dog. Right? And of them, the Proverbs are true. Of these false teachers, the Proverbs are true. Their nature never really changed. That's what, that's what Peter's saying. Because when you become a Christian, the first thing that happens is that you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Your nature is changed. You are a new creation. You're transformed. And that transformation may start off small, but it continues throughout your Christian life. Ups and downs and dips and dives, but it's always progressively moving forward, right? 
But what we discover about these false teachers who once proclaimed the name of Christ is that all that time when it seemed like they were Christians doing what Christians should be doing, and they were Christians preaching what Christians should be preaching, that really... They were faking it. Their nature never really changed. Maybe they experienced the blessings of having Christian parents and Christian family being raised in the church. And so they were, uh, their, their sinfulness and their sinful nature was, was uh, kept in. Uh, maybe they uh, experienced... Uh, being educated in morals and values and so on. In many ways, they, they live a moral life. And they can go under the radar in the Christian church because they're not, um, they're not out um, committing adultery with everybody. They're not out having orgies or they're not out drinking and getting drunk at night. But at some point along the way, they fall prey to false teaching. They believe it, and then they start teaching it themselves. And Peter's saying, it doesn't matter if for most of your life you held the line, but somewhere along the way you collapsed and you gave in. And you believed in a teaching that was contrary to the gospel, contrary to the Bible, and destructive to the Christian church, and you began to propagate that false teaching. Like same-sex monogamous marriages are good. He said it'd be better for you if you never were a Christian in the first place than to start off as a Christian. Ended up as a false teacher. Because you never really changed. Your nature never really changed. You're still a dog. You're still a pig. And here's my final word about this. My theme tonight is false teachers promise everything but have nothing. Christ promises everything and has all to give. This message isn't just a downer because... There are no false teachers that are beyond hope. We shouldn't just go onto All One Body's page, responding to the Human Sexuality Report, list down all the names of the reverends who are serving in the Christian Reformed denomination and, uh, and uh, put them on a blacklist and hate them. We should pray for them. They shouldn't be pastors in our denomination anymore. But we should pray for them. That they would turn from this. That they would find salvation in Jesus Christ. Because false teaching and false teachers, they, they want to give you everything, but they have nothing to give. But Christ, he promises everything and he has everything to give. So turn to Christ and receive from him. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to talk about false teachers.
maybe even in a way that we hadn't thought about before, in a, a way that hits closer to home, uh, what's going on in our very own denomination. <laughs> and we pray, Lord, that you would protect the Christian Reformed Church from false teaching and from false teachers. And you would help us, Lord, to turn from all the empty promises of this world to Christ, who promises everything and has all to give. And we pray, Lord, we pray for false teachers. We pray that they would turn from their sin and trust in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, would you stand